"'Tis impossible to be sure of anything but death and taxes." Right. I would like to add another certainty on that famous and overused phrase, suffering. We all face suffering in life, whether it, whether it be sooner or later. And when I say suffering, I don't just mean lying flat on your back in the hospital in pain. Suffering comes in all shapes and sizes, to the old and the young, physical and mental. The word itself summarizes an entire country right now. We see the videos of babushkas sobbing as they leave their homes in ruin. They were planning on dying in their homes, the homes they were born in, buried in the towns they've lived in their whole lives. Now they don't know where they'll end up. Suffering mothers with children. At least they still have a future if they survive. But the suffering is immense. Closer to home, there's more personal evidence that suffering surrounds us. Our suffering may seem pale in comparison to the Ukrainians, but America's got people suffering things the Ukrainians don't, and vice versa. Not to mention people in every country suffer domestic abuse, breakups, disease, injury, crime, and the list goes on. Suffering surrounds us all. Eventually, it afflicts us all. Suffering has led many people to reject the Christian faith. Remember when Steve Jobs was going through the, you know, nearing the end of his life? And Lutherans were pointing out that he had been baptized and confirmed in the Lutheran church when he was a kid, yet later he regarded the reality of pain and sorrow as the clinching argument against the notion that God is a loving God towards humanity. For us who believe, that's a tired, old argument, as old as the hills, running from generation to generation, but it still keeps coming up. You wonder if people who make that argument have actually read the Bible, or read it and understood most of it anyways, because God's Word doesn't ignore the reality of suffering in the world. It's actually one of the main points of it. The Bible opens our hearts and minds to the solution God has provided to suffering. Especially during Lent, we acknowledge this, but Lent also gives us a lens through which to view suffering, and that's through God's mercy. In mercy, we see a God who entered into our suffering to bear our suffering and bring healing. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you heard a sermon from the bishop of the Lutheran Church in Ukraine. And he asks, why are they going through the attack on their country? But he also asks the bigger question, why is there suffering in the first place for anyone? I don't think it's a major revelation when I say the reason for suffering is sin. I mean, my guess is you knew that already when you walked in here. Sin is so much more than the bad choice you made earlier today or yesterday or when you were younger. It's a plague. Pain, suffering, crime, illness, catastrophes, invasions, these are and more are the symptoms of this plague we've all been infected with. And the results are painful. It hurts. You know, these days at the seminary where they teach pastors how to be a pastor, 
You know, the faculty doesn't have us read only deep theological books. They make us read novels and biographies too and all kinds of literature. And one of the books I had to read and write a paper on was a, a volume of Migrants, Sharecroppers, and Mountaineers by Robert Coles. This was, these were a series of books in the early 70s containing sto stories of children in crisis in parts of poor America. In it is a story told by a poverty-stricken mother whose husband lost his temper with the pastor while the pastor was preaching on the topic of suffering, as I am doing right now. Anyone losing their temper yet? Good. Anyway, the woman says, My husband did the worst thing he could do. He took our baby Annie, held her right up in the pastor's face while my husband screamed and hollered at him. He told him that our little Annie has never been to the doctor and she's sick. We have no money, not for Annie, not for any of us. Then he accused the pastor of doing like all the rest, making money off of us. And he held our little Annie right up by the cross and told God he'd better stop having the ministers speaking for him and he should come and see us, see us himself. Well, that father's anger sums up pain and suffering pretty well. Why are there sick children? Why is there no money to get help? We may, we may not have ever not been in that situation ourselves, but we can still get the feeling of this guy's pain because, well, there have been other things that we've experienced. We can relate on some level. But there was one thing this poor father's tirade there was one thing in there in which he was mistaken. He demanded God to come down and see for himself the suffering his family and others like them are going through. As much as we might feel for this man's pain, he missed the bus. He couldn't see the forest or the trees. He didn't smell the coffee. And I'm, I'm out of hyperboles, but you get the point, right? God had already done exactly what this man demanded. He did come down and see for himself the suffering of the world. And not only did God see what suffering is like, he also went through it himself. He felt what it's like in the full. Above all people in history, Jesus suffered most. God's own son came down to this fallen world and experienced its ugliness its cruelty, its violence, its hatred, its abuse, its humiliation and shame, its pain, its suffering. Jesus Christ was treated with more injustice than we will ever know, than any person has ever known. He was betrayed by friends and rejected by his own people. He was humiliated, stripped, mocked, ridiculed, and beaten. He committed no sin, neither was anything he said deceitful. When he was reviled, he didn't return the sentiment. When he suffered, he didn't threaten or kill the attackers with a word or thought, which he could have. Through all that, he entrusted himself to his Father in heaven who judges justly. The cross on which Jesus died was not a pretty sight, and you all know this already as well 
It was meant to inflict supreme suffering. Jesus was nailed to it. His back had already been shredded by instruments of torture. His pain was excruciating. In fact, the word excruciating, which we still use in our everyday language, comes from the Latin meaning out of crucifixion. More than anyone else, Jesus tasted the curse that was brought about by Eve and her husband Adam. But Jesus also brought about the reverse of that curse. Remember that cross in the church where the angry father held his little girl up to? It's the very symbol that God shared our pain and suffering and death. Not only did he share it, he experienced it in our place. We can then trust God through all our suffering because he endured it with and for us. Jesus is a wounded healer. The Apostle Peter writes in our text, He himself bore our sins on his body on the tree, the cross made of wood, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Because of all this, we can endure as well. For to this we have been called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example so that we might follow in his steps. Being a Christian doesn't mean suffering is automatically done away with for us. It can mean just the opposite. And it doesn't mean we have to make ourselves suffer either. We will experience hostility when it comes from the world, just as Jesus did. Some will suffer more, more of it than others. But Jesus did suffer, and we will follow. But the cross also gives us strength to endure because it changes suffering. Just as God's power changed the terrible sufferings of Jesus on the cross to ultimate victory over sin and death, so also God's power can change our suffering into a means of growth. We can view suffering with new eyes, more mature eyes, with a new perspective. We do so in view of God's mercy. You know, when this disaster that's befallen Ukraine is over, however long it takes and whatever the outcome, stories are going to come out of it of God's transforming power of suffering in view of His mercy. You just wait. Until then, we can look back to other accounts, such as Corrie ten Boom, you know, the, the little Dutch girl whose family was persecuted by the Nazis for protecting Jews during the Second World War. Corey and her sister Betsy suffered incredible hardships in the camp they were sent to, as you and I can only imagine. In the middle of that misery, Betsy had a message of changing faith. When little Corey lamented about their plight, Betsy replied, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. She knew that life is painful, but God's mercy is more powerful. Now, these anecdotes can seem trite after hearing them for so many years and many more like them because, well, we didn't live through that. And thank God we're not being shelled or bombed now here. But that doesn't change the reality of suffering for anyone, no matter what it is, because we all have sin. Yet by Jesus' wounds, we have been healed. During this Lent and always, may we remember the suffering Christ went through on the cross 
for us a little bit more. But may, may we never forget the healing and hope that came from that sacrifice even more. Let us ever draw upon His healing strength, which now comes to us in our suffering. Amen.